What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today I've got the absolute pleasure of sitting down again to, you know, watching another another coach who grew up and left the neighborhood and is doing great things. And that's Amit Vora up at Towson University doing awesome work with the basketball program. Um, a guy that I've been able to watch from afar as his, you know, his career has continued to evolve and he's continued to grow and become really a, a high level practitioner. And, you know, Mitt, I'm excited to have you here today, bro. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, appreciate it, Jay, man. It's a real honor to be on the show. Yeah. So listen, man, let's give everybody kind of the eleva- uh, elevator spiel of, you know, who is Amit? How'd you get up to Towson and, and what are you getting into up there, bud? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess as a person who I am, I'm a dad, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a coach, uh, trying to get better at all three of those kind of every day. Um, a new day, my daughter's 20 months is, uh, 20 months old right now. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's fun. It's been fun. She's always someone I look forward to coming home to and everything like that. My dad jokes are getting better now as she was born. Uh, I think they're funny. Not all my athletes do, but, um, Going from there, I guess with, you know, coming up to Towson, I've been here for this is my sixth year now, going on my sixth season. Uh, when I originally got here, I was doing, I was with the women's side. So I did three years with the women's side, then trans, kind of transitioned over to the men's side for three years. Uh, before that, I was at University of Connecticut working with Olympic sports, kind of in that uh, assistant uh, part-time role, uh, working with all of track and field and helped out uh Kimball a little bit with women's basketball during the summer there and then also had diving there as well and then before that I was at Springfield College so part of that whole crew there and then did my master's there two years and then I was interning all over before that man I, you know I was down in Richmond with you actually first internship was with coach Stu with the Richmond football team um and that kind of led me over to interning where I was at in my undergrad at VCU and then all over the place. Yeah, man. And it's been a pretty awesome ride and a pretty awesome voyage to bring you to a great spot where you're doing some, some great things with, you know, with the young people up there, but we were talking about it, you know, kind of a unique perspective that you have when it comes to, you know, how your training has evolved and how your programming has grown throughout your career. And I think that this is going to be a message that a lot of coaches, myself included, you know, we get ourselves into ruts, especially when you get old and gray and grumpy like me, Um, you kind of get stuck in your ways. Uh, I think the older you get is because you can't change direction because your hips don't work like they used to. But, you know, you, you brought up some really great points and some great thoughts that I think that need to be shared. So let's dive into kind of what has formulated Amit's thought process when it comes to evaluating, developing, and programming for these student athletes? Yeah, I think, you know, it, I think it's constantly changing, man. Um, you know, the only thing that constant in life is change. So I think being open to that, you know, in every aspect of what you do from a coaching standpoint is, is important. And um, we were talking a little bit before this about, um, uh, the current book that I was reading is outside of strength and conditioning is uh, called trading in the zone. It's a little bit more on the financial end, uh, but it kind of shaped, they go really deep into belief, right. And from a psychological standpoint, 
you know, how strong belief can be and to have people do things. So like, I mean, people die for their beliefs, right? People, um, you know, get disheartened when somebody doesn't agree with their beliefs, right? You know, their fights over happen over disbeliefs and everything like that. So I think, but from that book, one thing I took was, you know, looking at not being too caught up in your belief and kind of leaving your ego to the side, right? And being more so open to the opportunities that present themselves. So in this kind of uh, way of the book that they kind of put out the example, it's, you know, be available for the market to go up or down, not really looking at, oh, I think the market's going to go up and then trying to like, you almost find reasons to support that the market might go up, right? Or you, I think the market's going to go down. So you're going to kind of take that bet to make, say, yeah, I'm going to make the bet on the market going down. You're almost finding reasons to, that the market's going to go down rather than kind of looking at what is market done and what kind of signals is it providing me to say, oh, I think this is letting me, giving the signal, the opportunity that it's going up and kind of being open to whatever is presenting yourself and using that in coaching. And I think that kind of spells into, you know, our side of thing is strength and conditioning and also into just athletics in general. So like, you know, you hear players all the time talk about, yeah, playing in the zone, like I'm in a zone kind of trance and they're playing. Um, Joker said it best in the finals. He was kind of like, you know, if uh, I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. If I'm not, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to kind of let the game come to me. And I think that's the way we kind of, I started looking at my programming and our training and getting our, you know, Tasman's basketball team ready is, you know, you kind of have this set plan and where you want to go. Right. And, but you're not married to any really exercise, any really general way. It's just whatever fits best for that individual athlete or for the group as a whole to get them more resilient and better and prepared to play the sport that they have. Right. So for example, it could be, you know, you, you might be, you know, everybody's squatting, but you know, for me, especially in the way room, when our, on Thursdays, we typically have some kind of squat variation, but I probably have five different squat variations going on. Right. And it's just whatever fits the individual. Some guys aren't even squatting. Right. Or some guys are still doing some kind of lunge pattern just because it fits them a little bit better and we can load that better. Right. Not saying that we get away from those, but our main movements on those days might be where we're really trying to drive some load or some nervous system development, right. Might be a little bit more geared toward that individual rather than being like, no, everybody's doing, you know, back squat or front squat or something along those lines. Right. And that's something kind of that I'm changing my mindset and have been kind of really trying to change my mindset that I don't need to do everything and everything can kind of be adjusted based off who needs what. And it's probably better to do it that way than to just kind of force a square peg into a round hole. And, uh, kind of go from there yeah i do think that that's something that a lot of us need to take a step back and have a better i don't know i don't know if i would say it, understanding but like a better like grasp on you have your biases towards what you're going to program and towards what you think is best which unfortunately more often than not is just based on like what you like to do you know when it comes to training yeah. um but that I think the square peg round hole is like a perfect analogy for that because you don't know what exactly is going to impact that person in the proper way. So the thought process in that I think is awesome. So let me ask you this, like how does that process then evolve, right? Do you, do you evaluate the guys, um, whether it be for their outputs or their movements or like an FMS type thing or 
Is it more off a of feel or uh, how their technique is in the weight room? And what process do they uh, have any say in with this? Is there autonomy that kind of leads to some of this as well? I think everything you said kind of leads into that whole kind of book right there. Because it's like it, it, the goal is for me a lot of times is early on to fill as many buckets as I can, right, to make sure that they're resilient. So it's like um, when we're doing evaluations early on, we'll do evaluations from even this year. We just started doing SFMA with our physical therapist. He brought the idea up. We kind of have a high performance meeting and we'll sit down our AT, myself, PT, nutritionist, and we'll kind of even our uh, mental performance coach, and we'll kind of come up with different ideas. And, you know, the big thing is like, and kind of using that belief system, I was, I never done the SFMA before, right? I didn't know much about it. So I kind of, you know, our PT offered that as a evaluation tool. So I was like, Hey, you know, I, I just want to gather more information. I learned from them a little bit. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I trust your word. Let's try this out. Right. And then, you know, with that, we already did our own kind of assessment where we'll look at, you know, big toe range of motion, active passive. We'll look at uh, knee flexion, active passive, ankle dorsiflexion, you know, active passive, hip internal, external rotation, um, and use like a goniometer kind of to measure those kind of ranges um, in addition with that. So, we're, the big thing for me is like, all right, let's get as much information as we can. And then over time, each year, we kind of either took in some things out that we're like, all right, we're not getting anything from this or let's take, you know, or let's keep this in, or let's try this new thing um, and be open to different ideologies that could make them better. Right. And then whatever does work. All right, let's keep doing those. Um, and then kind of from there, you know, in regards to the athlete, when we get into actually training, right. Based off kind of what we took from that evaluation, some guys might be starting on a certain uh, movement compared to somebody else. Maybe you were teaching, you know, goblet squats for a freshman who come in right on a tempo and some of our guys who are super seniors right they're able to load up a little bit heavier in safety squat bar and kind of maybe we're working their tempos going through some you know longer iso holes with those and then going through some eccentric kind of like bastardized uh triphasic or something along those lines but it all depends on the individual a lot of times even like you said with the exercises I'll talk to my guys. I'm like, Hey, how do you feel today? Right. What works better? Do you want a front squat? Do you want a safety squat bar? Do you want a uh, goblet squat? Right. So in a way we got all three of those kind of going on, right. One of our guys just does uh, kind of like Peterson step downs, right. Other guys would do more of a kind of split squats, uh, kind of variation, but it's whatever makes them is kind of helping them. And he's kind of giving me, I know that they're getting the stimulus that I need them to get, but it just might be a different way. Right. Even on our another day, we have, you know, certain guys who uh, are trap bars, certain guys who are doing glute bridges, certain guys who are doing straight bar deadlift because they just feel better. So kind of allowing that autonomy and that early on when they're freshmen, it's kind of me kind of understanding their body. I'm guiding them a little bit more. But as they get older. Right. And they kind of been with me for a while and they understand training. They understand their body. I let them have more of a say in what they want because they're going to know their body better than I do. Right. And then over time from there, it's kind of letting them explore those ranges and really kind of letting them understand, hey, you know, working through a full large range of motion with everything we're doing um, and having them not really chasing the load, but more so being the way I word it to them, you know, strength isn't just moving more weight. It's how you move a weight or how you move, you know, how you control your space, your bubble and everything is really strength, right? If you're not stable as you lunge in certain directions, right? are you actually strong just because you can trap our deadlift 600 pounds, right? 
So teaching them more that way, just being able to explore their areas and um, being strong in certain positions in everything they do, right, within those areas and ranges of motion kind of thing. I dig that, man, because I think that all too often in you know the sport that we get to work with, you know, we, we run into situations where there are just going to be times where some of these men and women are better front loaded, back loaded, whatever it may be, because their arthropometrics are so different. And I, I really like the fact that you're allowing them this feedback and this input because you know, the other thing that, again, just kind of being the old guy that has seen a bunch metrics and values are great but you're never going to be able to tell me that you understand how a seven foot tall individual feels like physically like i'm, I'm five nine 200 pounds you're telling me that i could tell you what a 611 265 pound human being feels like just unracking a bar whether it be in their hands or on their shoulders or on their back like I mean, get out of here like there's no way so instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and taking everyone and, and just sticking them into, you know, the same grouping, allowing them to kind of express themselves physically in this sense, I would assume really helps. I don't know. This is kind of a cheesy cliche term, but bring them back for more. Yeah, you know, I think our guys, they're, they're eager to train in the weight room. You know, I, I've never had an issue really with them being like, oh, I don't want to do this today. And that just might be, you know, I got a good group of guys and they, they've really bought into what we're trying to um, trying to do. And, you know, the biggest thing I try to preach and I'm kind of going with what you're saying is, you know, I, I took this from Gary Gray's. There's no wrong exercise. There's just a wrong prescription of an exercise. Right. And it, it's like you know, like I said, like somebody front squats aren't bad, but maybe for this individual, it doesn't work. Right. But maybe for the other individual, it does. And I think because of that, they've been more receptive in me and they understand that they can come to me and I was something, Hey, if something don't feel right. Tell me, right. This, this is not supposed to cause you harm. Your goal is to play basketball. Right. So what I'm trying to do, I can do it a million ways. And I think that belief, the way I'm kind of talked about in the beginning was just being open to the different opportunities, being open to what other coaches are saying about, hey, how they train. Like, I watch how our football team trains. I watch how our volleyball team trains. And, you know, our, the, the other coaches on staff, we do a great job with their teams. And, you know, I'll steal ideas from them. But, but being open to be, then take that and give it to your athletes and suggest different ideas when something doesn't feel right and kind of have that conversation, I think, will help build, again, like that culture that kind of buy into it and then drive more results from that. Yeah, and that's, a, I think, a great way to look at it because it's hard when you're playing as long as they do in this sport and then now in the situation like you guys are in where you're going and you're playing another two weeks in the summer to keep that mindset of development where we almost have to find a way to keep that developmental mindset constant because of how long they're playing and how much more they're practicing and the uniqueness of that in the college environment, because a lot of these other sports, like you mentioned football, 
Like they do some work, like seven on seven in the summer, but that's completely different than practice. Whereas our guys, I mean, they they could have full team practice in the summer, right? I mean, yours have to now if they're going to play overseas or uh, up north here in a few weeks. So allowing these sort of, I don't know if I want to call them small, but these small instances where they can be um, autonomous with what they're doing and provide that input so that it allows them to continue to, again, lack of a better term, keep the pedal down in like the developmental stage, the better, right? Because they're able to continue to grow, evolve, become more resilient. All of the things that we talk about they need to do while not forcing them into a situation where there is discomfort or issues that may arise that are going to impact sport form and make practice suck. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that's a, you know, that, that autonomy kind of, and that's something we've kind of been growing toward, or I've been pushing toward um, almost our whole coaching staff a little bit and building off that. So this year, yeah, we're going to Canada. We talked about that a little bit earlier um, to play. We got like six games up there. Um, so during the summer, we've been practicing a lot more, you know, almost our practices, we're going live every day, right? And some are, are pretty much, I'll sum it up, like our practice look like they would do typically what you would see in 20 hour period in preseason, right? Um, so with that, you know, I came in with plan A during the summer. This is my first time having, you know, us going, you know, overseas play um or to another country play during the summer so i wasn't aware you know as uh used to having the extra time to practice so my plan a you know wasn't probably as what i originally wanted to do but you know i'm trying to keep plan b as close as possible to that in regards to training in the weight room but then also you know with our coaching staff you know using our we have a catapult gps monitor so we'll you know kind of use that to build our intensity, our volume and everything throughout the summer so that they're ready to play on the court in, um, uh, in August. Right. And the way I had to look at that now was, you know, normally I would look at the summer, all right, we're training, we're trying to get, develop our bodies, develop a little bit more physical resilience. And we're still doing that. But now I also got to keep in mind, we're playing a lot more. We got to get ready for six games in seven days. So in that standpoint, my mindset changes. How do we make sure we're building up on the court as well? as a big bucket we got to fill right because i can control what we do in the weight room i can't really have full i don't really have full control what we do on the court so i have to you know our coaches have luckily over the course of years have been very receptive to feedback i give them on um you know our our volume and what we're doing at practice and kind of how we structure that and the biggest thing i tell our head coach is you know, you can do whatever you want, coach, in what we're doing, but we just have to structure it differently so they fit appropriately. So, like, you know, you know, if we want to go live heavy, you know, full court live heavy one day, right, maybe we do less skill and drill up front, right, and we focus more so on the live play, right? And there's going to be different ways in regards to how you do that live play, right? So if the hardest live play might be a four-minute game where the consecutive playing – Right. How do we break that down over eight weeks and regress that? So on the seventh or eighth week, we're doing four minute live segments. Right. Maybe on the sixth or seventh week, we're doing down, back, down, plus two. Right. And then the week before that, we're doing down, back, down. And the week before that, we're just doing Navy on the, you know, and how are we regressing that? 
And then looking at from an intra week standpoint, you know, on Mondays, we start off the week, uh, typically going half court live only. And that allows for a little bit more rest time because it's usually like, all right, we'll go about 20 seconds of work. Guys will play, then they'll reset, kind of come up with a little bit, they'll give a little coaching to the kids and then they'll go back and do it again. Right. And then Tuesday, Thursdays end up being, Hey, we're getting up and down a lot more and it's kind of letting them flow. And I think this is important in two ways, just because we got to build this up correctly in regards to the volume we build and our coaches have done a good job in kind of using the data I give them back from catapult to be like, all right, Hey, we did, you know, 20 minutes alive this week. Let's do 25 minutes this week. Let's do 30 minutes this week and slowly build that up. And there's going to be occasional days too, where our coaches, Hey, we're going to go 50 minutes live. We're playing today. Like it, they feel good. The guys feel good. They look good. We want to let them run. We're in a good kind of flow right now. And that's okay. Right. It's just looking from a global picture and then going back locally, making some tweaks, look from a global picture, go back locally, kind of make some tweaks from an intraday standpoint and then make sure that we're trending in the right direction. So they're ready to handle basketball from volume standpoint when they get to Canada. And then also from a skill acquisition point, I want them to play basketball as much as they can, just because I know that the only way they're going to really get better is kind of feeling that game environment and that kind of building chemistry with their teammates. Yeah. I think that that's probably one of the big pros of these trips, or at least that's what we like to tell ourselves, right? Is that they get to practice more. They get to be with their teammates more. They travel, they get to know each other more and it builds camaraderie. Um, But let's, let's kind of circle back a little bit there. You were talking a bit about, um, you know, the, the, the metrics that you're looking at when it comes to, how you're trying to make sure the practice evolves properly air quotes or hashtag, depending how old you are in front of properly um, with, with a catapult. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. First of all, I think that what's important is there's so many metrics and I think so many people get lost in the, in the, the vastness of the CSV that those types of devices can export. What are you looking at and what, what is that driving into those discussions? Yeah. So we pretty much only look at three metrics, right? Just for simplicity's sake. And just because I don't, if I give any more than that, it might, the coaches might not buy in as much. All right. So we look at our player load, which is kind of volume. We look at player load per minute, which I look at as density. And then we look at explosive efforts, which is just a term they kind of built for us, a sports scientist at Catapult which is just like high, IMA, high IMAs, right, as our three metrics. And what I've been learning and kind of growing with this summer a little bit is I'm understanding more. It's not really just one metric that determines everything. It's kind of a combination of them at all. And then also looking at what drills you did that day, right, is going to change things. So, like, I just told the coaches actually in our – I sent a report out yesterday, you know, um, saying, you know, with our half-court drills – right? We typically have higher explosive efforts on those days, right? And which is kind of high MA, so more intensity or faster movements on the court. And the reason being what I kind of, or what I'm leaning towards is the fact that we're giving more rest time in between each one. So we might do 26 work, come back, talk about what we're going to do next, how we fix something on coaching, and then let's go again for 20 seconds, right? But there's a lot more rest time period in that area where it's not as continuous. So because of that rest time, they're getting more higher, fa- like faster movements, more high intensity movements throughout that little segment in the half court. 
right? And then we get that less when we're doing full court, but the density of work goes up, right? And I think, uh, you know, that changes things. That doesn't mean just because explosive efforts are down doesn't mean the intensity of the practice was down, but now what's driving the practice intensity or difficulty of practice might be the density of work that they're doing because they're continuously running for down, back, down, plus two, which is typically around like two to two and a half minutes, right? That consecutive running is actually what's driving the intensity or the main intensity factor in that, right? They'll still get explosive efforts in there and the volume of running is also going to be a factor in there. Um, But those are kind of things that looking at different days, looking at what we did as a drill and looking at the actual three metrics and kind of piecing the puzzles. All right, why did, you know, what happens when we do full court? What happens when we do half court? And then over time with volume, the biggest thing that I learned with volume a lot of times is just, it's just the amount of time you spend out there for the most part, right? If you spend longer time out there, most likely you're gonna do more drills. You're gonna have a higher volume in that time period. Now, if you're doing like install on the court, you might have longer time, but the volume might not be going up because you're not moving around as much, right? So it's, that's the big piece is you can't just look at those metrics from Catapult and be like, oh, this is what it was today. You almost got to break down and understand the drills. And I think as coaches, we got to, you know, be better at kind of understanding where the sport coaches are at and knowing what they're doing on the court and what each drill kind of feels like over time, asking players, asking coaches, what is the hardest drill that you guys think you do? And then work backwards from there to kind of piece that puzzle together and then build that up slowly over time in regards to the volume, in regards to the density, in regards to um, the intensity of play. And a lot of times that just ends up naturally happening with the amount of time we spend at practice. Yeah, dude, that's a, a sensational breakdown of really complex metrics into digestible, like even terminology, the intensity, the volume, and the density of it. Simple can be evaluated, broken down, and communicated on a three by five card really easily. Yeah. Um, but then looking at those, so then let's flip that on its head. And instead of talking about practice, let's talking about what Amit's doing with the guys. How do these metrics then impact you day of day before day after, uh, based on what you're seeing the coaches doing and how they're progressing? Uh, I think, you know, a lot of it, um, kind of just mainly impacts the way I structure the week. So like for me, you know, we kind of have a structure where the coaches are all on board. We do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday is our days where we're lifting and we're practicing. So almost trying to keep our high days high, right? We're going to do stuff. We're starting off the week. Now, Mondays, we try to do a little bit less. So in the weight room, you know, that's a little bit more. We're always doing some kind of total body aspect in there. But Mondays, our primary is going to be our, uh, our bench press right, or some kind of pressing movement. Thursdays or Tuesdays, we end up doing some kind of deadlift movement where it's concentric base mainly. And then on Thursdays, the last day of the week, we'll lift before practice. Uh, we'll start doing some kind of unilateral um, knee dominant exercise or bilateral knee dominant exercise. We'll squat or we'll do some kind of lunge depending on the individual. And that kind of stems the week. The reason I have that last day in there, because I know there's going to be a little bit more soreness or kind of fatigue from that a little bit more knee dominant day, that squatting day. Um, so I'm putting it on the end of the day. Then that, that might impact a little bit of 
that Thursday practice, but I'd rather have it just impact that one practice than the practices before. And then the way we have structured on Wednesdays is only yoga. So we hired an outside contractor to come in. She does an amazing job with our guys, just getting them moving and kind of challenging themselves from a stability standpoint um, for about an hour. And they get treatments that day. They have yoga and that's it. They don't do anything else. Right. So we kind of structured it. So we almost go, if you look at it from kind of layman's term, we go medium, high, low, high. And then on Fridays, it's typically a day where I'll spend some time on the court with them in the morning and a little bit of that kind of mental toughness aspect that, you know, coaches really look for that. We try to do a little bit more on those on, on that Friday morning. But um, early on, what I did was supplement conditioning on that Friday a little bit more because I knew the first three weeks, we only had eight hour period. Um, but then going on from starting week four to week eight, I knew that we had two practices a week where we kind of were in almost like that preseason. Uh, we had like 10 hours a day or on Tuesday or Thursday, whichever practice day he wanted to lay. But we had 10 practices that we could use leading up to Canada because we're playing there. So I knew the volume was going to be up. So on the first three weeks, I started supplementing a little bit more running on certain days, on Mondays and on Fridays, just to build up more kind of predictable running. Right. We would do some kind of tempo run. On Monday, on Fridays, a little bit more intensive with some intervals. And we built that volume up. And then once we got to playing, I started taking that away. I took away the tempo day, right? And then as we started playing a little bit harder, all right, I took away my other conditioning day. So now it just ends up being some speed and condition or some change of direction work, and then we shut it down, right? So kind of balancing act between, you know, what we're doing at practice and what I'm seeing from the data and what I'm doing in the weight room and training for the guys. So we're not doing too much and they're getting what they need and using both to fill whatever buckets need to be filled up. Yeah, man. I mean, fantastic. I think that's a great mindset to have and a great approach to take, you know, in these, you know, unique quadrennial like situations, right. That happen once every four years where, you know, you get to take these trips and you play these extra games Sounds like you've got it dialed in really well there, man, and that things are going great, you know, and, and Mitt, this has been a great half hour, dude. I really appreciate your time and, and you coming on the show today. But before we get you out of here, bud, let's make sure everybody knows, you know, where can they see more of what you're doing and, and, and follow you on the socials and all that stuff, pal. Yeah, um, you know, you can hit me up on uh, Instagram. I'm always open to talk to anybody. Uh, my Instagram today is Vora91, so V-O-H-R-A. Uh, 91 um i'm always open to talk to people uh, and then anytime my email right a vora v-o-h-r-a at towson.edu i'm open to you know anybody hitting me up and talk i always love to talk shop like i said you know i'm always looking to see what's different and you know here play devil's advocate with people because i think like i said earlier just gotta be open to the opportunity to see what maybe something's better you could take something from somebody and give it to an athlete and serve them better at the end of the day 100% brother well appreciate you taking the time keep kicking butt up there man rooting hard for you and we'll be in touch real soon my friend all right thanks Jay appreciate you having me on yeah man appreciate you well and always thank you for everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance we'll be back next week with another awesome guest we'll see you then